Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. We're in the final week of our Countdown to Cove mini-series of podcasts designed to get you ready for the big 10-mile road race in Sonia's hometown of Cove on April 3rd. We've covered the all-important long run, we've been up the hills, we've answered every question you sent us, and now it's time to talk about facing reality when your best laid plans go awry. Maybe you have bust your butt for the last few months And you've picked up an injury. Maybe a personal issue has come up. Or maybe, just maybe, you're like me. And last Friday, you tested positive for COVID-19. What do we do when the house of training bricks appears to be blown down? Well, who better to answer that question than co-host, friend and coach, the former world champion, world record holder and Olympic silver medalist, Sonia O'Sullivan. Sonia, great to have you here. You're back home in Cove. Good morning. Yes, it's great to be back in Cove and um, checking out the route and making sure everything is in place. And um, yeah, once people know you're here, then there's always jobs to be done and things yeah. to be sorted out. In fact, while, while I'm talking to you here this morning, good thing we're not in person. Um, I've, I've got a bunch of these cards here that we're giving out to everybody after the race, congratulating people on finishing the race and I've got to sign them all. <laughs> now, are you are you a diligent signer do you, or do you just do a big S? <laughs> oh no, I do a proper signature. I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a picture. We'll put a picture up on the, uh, <laughs> on, the, on the group later. I'll send it on to you. But my only way of doing this is when I'm talking to people. So we, I, we had a meeting the day I got here last week. We had a quick meeting and... Um, Heather Sillett, who does a lot of the organising here for Ballymore Cove and Terry Murphy, turned up with these box of cards for me and a few Sharpies. And so while we were having the meeting, I was just signing away. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a multitasking thing, you know. I I can't just sit here and sign because it takes so long. Oh, my God, I can imagine. I, I don't have that hour to do nothing else. So I'm only on. So this was last what was it, last Wednesday, I signed one, I've got four blocks of them to sign, so it must be four times 250, I suppose. And um, I was flying on the first block and I haven't touched it since. So last night I put it on the table and I said, right, I'm going to do them today oh. while I'm talking to you. Head melting. I remember I wrote a book back in 2009 and uh, was taken out to a warehouse where I had to sign a load of these books and it all started out very precise. Uh, each one was a Jarlath Regan <laughs> with a little smiley face on the end. And by box two, it was just JR. That'll do it. Nobody's going to hold me. On these, but uh, we obviously have so much more to get through. We, you know, there's there's an awful lot more in this. We're going to spread it out across the two halves of the episode. You can hear the full extended version, of course, on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. And we're also going to talk about the moments and the races that changed her career. Sonia, of course, has formative or transformative moments throughout her life that you must feel, Sonia, that that was the time when I stopped doing that. Well, I certainly I certainly feel that way about this, because if I'm honest in relation to COVID-19 and my wife having an underlying illness, I have uh, walked around with a degree of fear in relation to this thing. And this moment of actually having it and having caught it 
does feel a little bit liberating and I'm sure I'm not the only person uh, who feels this that now that you've got the beast on your back you can kind of deal with it and go right well uh, I survived it I did actually expect Sonia you to be the one to get sick to be totally honest I was waiting for the positive test from you because you really have been burning the candle (laughs) at both ends and when you've often told me this that when you go back to Cove, the valve that gets released is unlike anywhere else in the world. You pop yourself on your parents' couch and you can start to feel unwell. Is that still the case? Yes. Well, I think for me, it was probably all after coming back from the world indoors last weekend. And, you know, it's always after a big championship event, something that, you know, you've kind of all the excitement and everything is built up towards that. Mm. And then you know, no matter what the results, it's always a bit of a letdown afterwards. And the the trip home is never the same as the trip there. You know, it's always a bit more enduring and hard work and everything. Yeah. And um, then I think everything seems hard. You know, the unpacking, it's like taking down the Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, yeah. All the excitement is gone. And it's like someone let the air out of the balloon way mm. too quick. And you have to, you know, I suppose, take a little bit of a time out and then rebuild yourself and decide, OK, but well, what's next? And in a way for me, the, the next thing was is the Cove 10 mile run. Hmm. So it was a, a bit of a quick turnaround. And, you know, when you start to feel a bit low, you do, you know, you are more vulnerable. You're open to illness and just not feeling 100 percent. And I was feeling like that all week. And um I was half afraid to test, you know, to take any tests. So I'm at that stage now where I'm kind of thinking, well, do I really want to know? <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> like, is completely if ev- backward. Let's be if, everyone has, yeah. if everyone has it anyway, you know, I mean, what am I going to do? And what's it going to change if yeah. I take a test and it's positive? So I eventually did take a test on Friday, um, you know, after I'd <laughs> flown across the Irish Sea to make sure I did get across the Irish Sea. Hmm. And um, I actually had to meet up with my good friend, Marcus O'Sullivan. Um, it was a funeral for his sister um, in Cork. So um, I was attending that and I knew there would be a lot of people around. And, you know, it's kind of a when you're at a funeral, people do tend to get close, even yeah, though they're. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, very sad. Not really supposed to, and you kind of think, you know, there's going to be a lot of older people around here, so I better check. Yeah. Um, and and including, you know, going out to visit my own mother and father <laughs> throughout the week. So yeah, thankfully I was negative, so I think I'm safe now for uh, until after the COVID ten. I'll be <laughs> taking it handy and uh, not not being too social around too many people. Well, loads of people have been in touch when I posted this in the Irishman Running Abroad Strava group, which if you don't know about it, it's probably the most positive social media setting I've ever been in. There's literally no begrudgers. There's no uh, uh, negativity on there whatsoever. So uh, when I post something or Sonia posts something, the response is immediate and it's usually really positive. I was still blown away by the response when I posted uh, the question, how have you recovered? How, what has your experience been once you get hit by this virus? This is so many different accounts and different versions of it. And what definitely came out was that people have who have had two bouts of it, Sonia, have had a very different experience pre-vaccination versus post-vaccination, that their recovery has been much easier. And I don't think, like I've had three doses, so I definitely haven't had, you know, a Will Smith slap around the face with this over the last few days. <laughs> I I feel like I had a bad cold 
uh, went to do the track session that you prescribed last Tuesday. We were both delighted with that. I mean, I, I, I think it might be one of the best track sessions I've ever done. It now emerges that I was more than likely positive at that point. Is that evening I go down with these, you know, a cough and a chest and headache and all the rest of it. But uh, after that, I mean, it's kind of been improvement, improvement, improvement. So it's hard to believe, first of all, Sonia, that this is the derailment that everybody keeps telling me it is. People are telling me, oh, it'll be four weeks before you're running back at what you were last Sunday when I felt I was running my absolute best. Is that necessarily the case? And have you had athletes in your training groups who have had it and recovered within the kind of prescribed time? Or are we playing with fire there? Uh, Well, I think what it seems from, you know, listening and reading what different people have said, it seems very different for everybody. People have different experiences of this. So just because it's really bad or really easy for one person or the other, it doesn't mean it'll be the same Hmm. for everybody else. So I think it's nice or it's good to be aware of, you know, the, the worst case scenario and then the best case scenario. But, you know, my personal feeling about it and I've seen and I think, you know, People who are training at, you know, I suppose any kind of level, really, you know, they're definitely a bit more aware of their body and they're just kind of more in touch with how they're feeling. And, you know, you're, you're trying to push yourself a little bit at times. So, you know, when you're not feeling quite right and you know when you can't go after it. And so I think a lot of times what I seem to observe is that people, if they realize, okay, I'm positive for COVID, then they shut everything down mm-hmm. and, they, and they don't do anything. So yeah. a- automatically you're detraining. Mm. So then you're getting a double whammy here now. So you're sick and you're not doing anything. But isn't that the recommendation? Um, well, if it was me, if I'm in that situation, I'm not going to stop doing stuff. I'm going to be out. I think you have to, you tone it down and you do, you don't push yourself. Mm. And you keep going at a steady level because it's what you do every day. Mm. So if it's something that you do every day and it's part of your life, then, you know, unless you're flat out on the couch and you physically can't get up and go. Mm. And there's probably people out there now and they're thinking, wait till she gets that now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely that. <laughs> she'll, she'll find out about this one time because the thing is, it does seem to be coming down the track for everybody. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I know there's plenty of elite athletes out there who have continued to train they haven't stopped Mm. and they just they just keep running and they've run at a easy level so you know an easy level for someone who's training for the olympics is probably a decent level for most normal people Mm. but But what they're basically doing is they're just out there running around and they're maintaining a level of fitness so that when they're recovered then they can get back into things yeah. fairly quickly. Because if you shut it down altogether, then it's like rarely would you not run for an extended period of time. And of course, if you don't run, you're going to feel terrible mm. from that as well as from being sick. Sure. And I take that on board. There's two things that I'm sure people are shouting at their radios right now. And that is that you're not allowed <laughs> to leave the house, Sonia. <laughs> you can't. You must yeah, have a hell of a garden if you're going to be able to keep running around there and the advice I don't I don't think that's true and I mean that you're not allowed to leave the house no I mean if you go out 
by yourself at six o'clock in the morning hmm. and you're not meeting, you're not bumping into anybody. Then what harm? What, what I mean, I don't see I mean, I can see maybe way back at the very beginning when we didn't know what was going on. Hmm. And, you know, people were definitely keeping to themselves. But I think the current situation is that people just have to be sensible hmm. and you just keep away from other people. And if you're going out into the woods and there's nobody out there, yeah. then what harm are you doing? You're just yeah. helping yourself. And honestly, so, that is that is the argument that I've made to Tina. But she, she has said <laughs> to me that uh, the optics of it are terrible. She said, if somebody sees you out there having, you know, been preaching about how people, everybody, everybody needs to be cautious and everybody needs to observe the rules. And <laughs> you're like, well, I got a race to do next week in Cove. <laughs> I'm going to be out here running. Uh, don't talk to me and I'll have a mask on. There is the yeah, other but... side of that, Mar- uh, or I nearly called you Marion, Sonia, the, <laughs> <laughs> that the every article I read on this from WebMD to the Mayo Clinic recommends, regardless of whether you are a superhuman elite athlete, that your body n- needs the break, that in order for your body to fight it and not prolong symptoms, that they all recommend against it. Are you saying that they're doing that just as a kind of a blanket brush stroke uh, for all people when they can't really say in those articles, yeah, but if you're somebody who runs 70 kilometers a week, yeah, you should you, you'd be grand. Yeah, well, I think, of course, they're going to be conservative and tell you, you know, well, if you do nothing, then, you know, you're not going to do any harm, are you? Hmm. You know, if you do something, then there's a risk that you're going to do some harm. And so... I suppose, it, again, it comes down to each individual and, and the amount of risk that you're willing to take. Yeah. And I, so I think the big the key here is that you actually listen to your body and you're not out there, you know, running around sweating buckets and feeling terrible. I think you have to go out there. You might just be going for a walk or, you know, a, a power walk or something or, you know, just I mean, for me, I think any time if I've ever been sick in my life and I think I've always gone outside at least to do something. I don't mm. think I've ever had a time where I've not gone outside and kind of come because I just believe that you have to go outside and fresh air is so good to help you to get better if you're sick. Mm. And it's just at a much lower level. I mean, I've gone out and I've been crawling around and, you know, at a very slow pace and not running, but walking. But all with the aim of that, I know if I go outside and you get some fresh air, then you always come back feeling, you know, a bit better. Well, and you feel better, better for it. I want to talk an awful lot more about this uh, after we go round the parishes and we get your tip of the week, Sonia, which I know you're dying to tell us. <laughs> Every time I say it, I can feel the panic come over you. But uh, I did stumble across a couple of pieces of exercise that for the people that are listening now who are going, uh, good luck with that, Sonia. You will not be able to run. It's that simple for those really tough days. There is actually some exercise programs that I've stumbled across that relate to yoga that are actually believed to encourage the recovery and enhance your immune system. So more of that later on and after the break. We'll now go around the parishes and see what you guys have been doing with your running around the world this week. First up is Paul Brennan, who people may remember 
as one of my pacers for the first breaking 20 challenge. He did fortitude, is what it's called. <laughs> Never do a race called fortitude. Do something like the Cove 10, which sounds like a bit of crack. Fortitude is 10 laps. Start off each hour for five miles. 750 feet of elevation per lap. <laughs> Option to drop that to four or three in, in the challenge anytime, but one of the toughest races he's ever done, he said. Uh, we are talking 80 kilometers, Sonia, with a total wow. elevation gain <laughs> of 2,148 meters. If I didn't give Paul a shout for this, I don't know what, it, what, what deserves a shout. He burned a total of 4,000 calories and kept a pace of 540 throughout. Like, that's seven hours and 38 minutes of running in one day. Paul Brennan, you deserve more than just the Irishman abroad singlet, which he, he actually wore for part of it. So I'm not saying that the two <laughs> things are connected, but it's a fast singlet. He did it. Fair play to you, Paul, in Wealdon in England. That's pretty impressive. That's like seven hours. I can just about imagine doing that on the bike or to keep running <laughs> and on your for that amount of time. That, that, that is amazing. Yeah, I have um, Ian Johnstone here and he's in Sydney and uh, he looks like he's had the most scenic run ever. 10.4 kilometres around Sydney Harbour taking in the Royal Botanic Gardens and the Opera House and the, the bridge. And, very you know, nice. It, it looks, just looks like a very um, nice way to run around Sydney. I think people last week, uh, he called it Hertz Recovery. I don't know what Hertz is though. Um, that must be. Is that Hertford, you know Hertford, Hertfordshire? Sometimes is it? No, he's in. You said he's in a. No, in he's in Sydney. Oh, Hertz Sydney, is it sponsored yeah. by Hertz, the uh, the rental car company, maybe? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, hang on, I'm going to see now. He's obviously done something here, and he's recovering from it. H U R T S. Okay, so it definitely hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. I don't know why he's hurting, but he's he's obviously up to something. <laughs> he's done a lot of long runs here anyway, and uh, he did twenty four times one minute Snake Hill repetitions Whoa. on the twenty fifth of March in Manly. Twenty four. So twenty four times one minute. Now, I the other day I did a park run in Cork at the the Glen River Park Run. It's a lovely park run. It's the closest one to Cove, but it's got a few hills in it. So I thought it would be a good idea to go there and get in a few hills ahead of the Cove 10. And then I was going to do six times 30 second hill afterwards. But it's actually hard to find a hill that goes for 30 seconds. Mm. So I I was only getting 22 seconds. So I thought, well, if that's as long as a hill, then that's <laughs> as long as I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to slow down to make it 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, make no sense. Uh, I know what you mean, because you are trying to find one that has a climb to it. And that kind of happy medium is, is hard to find. Certainly around where I am, Carl Fleming had no such problems. He, he called this his Hove run. It's Hoth slash Cove hill training. And oh my God, the views this man go- found in Hoth, uh, my days. This is like some of the most beautiful Strava photography I've ever seen in my life. 14K anyway, he maintained his pace of 5.51. We'll see Carl Fleming in Cove uh, for the run next Sunday. If you are coming down, make sure to uh, join us at the donkey, not the pony. <laughs> the pony is, there's no such pub. <laughs> 
I told Mick Plossy no. I'd see him at the pony. He may be wandering around the fields next Sunday looking for this pony. <laughs> it's the Donkey Pub. Make sure to join us there. Do you have one more, Sonia, before we leave the trip around the parishes? I do have one here, one more here. And this is a bit of a mystery, man, because um, I followed him because his name is Rob Heffernan. But it's not Rob Heffernan like I know Rob Heffernan on the uh, on the Red FM yeah. every morning. Shout <laughs> it's out to a Rob. Rob. Rob Heffernan over in London in the United Kingdom and um, I just want to give him a shout out there because he obviously got a follow from me because of his name. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say he's got a few follows people think they're following Rob Heffernan. How is he running? (laughs) So yeah he's gone pretty good. He does um, oh he did a 12k the other day in uh, he's in Dulwich Dulwich wherever near Crystal Palace up around that way. Uh, Dulwich Park. I've never run there. Have you run there? No, but I do. I've done no. gigs around the area. Right. Yeah. Because there's a lot of really nice parks in London. We should probably, you know, have a run through some of them at some stage. Because for a big city, it's amazing the amount of green space in there and nice places that you can go for a run. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this um, Dulwich Park looks like a nice place. They got a lake in there, and yeah. So just a shout out to Rob Heffernan and. Um, yeah, maybe we'll find out a bit more about him. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, absolutely, and there is a there is a group. If people are looking for a group uh, to run London parks with, there is a brilliant group on uh, Instagram called Irish Run London, and they're kind of a breakfast club run who uh, meet on the first Saturday of the month at the Lodge Cafe in Hyde Park at Hyde Park Corner at 9.15. All abilities welcome. Uh, They've got a Facebook group to see you can hook up for their events. But maybe someday, Sonia, we'll jump in when we're here together on one of those runs because it does seem like a really good buzz and they'll know. They'll know all about these parks. We we said we talked about uh, those transformative moments and we may as well cover one now because, like, I am at a bit of a crossroads here with this. Do I been the idea of going to run Cove having been through this based on the information that I have and all the warnings people are giving me that if you come back too early you can really set yourself back Uh, many of our most established runners have have got in touch personally to say this do not push this head down to Cove for the crack walk it at best I am at a bit of a crossroads here and it does certainly feel like a bit of a, a moment that uh, I will remember or certainly will you know, affect me as a runner going forward. Do you remember the earliest moment in your running career where you thought to yourself, I will come back to this time, I will remember this moment uh, later in life? Probably not at the time, no. <laughs> I think you kind of look back at these things later on and you see, you know, a pivotal moment and maybe a decision or, you know, something that you decided in your life that kind of initially you weren't sure. Like it's, you know, when you make a decision, sometimes for me, it can be stupid things, even like buying something, you know, mm. like, <laughs> or like a house or a car, but I don't know. <laughs> they're big things to buy but you know things that you kind of debate over and you hover over and then you make the decision and then you go to bed that night and you're kind of thinking oh did I do the right thing there and you can't sleep because you're not sure Hmm. and then it it can take a while for you to actually accept the decision that you've made and to realize that you know that was a good decision 
But I always feel when you have to make these decisions that, you know, they can really, they just can take a toll on you because you're always, you're debating over so much and nobody can advise you. It's one of those things where you just have to make the decision yourself and you have to make the call. And then you also have to accept the responsibility, you know, if the outcome is good or bad. And I think that's the key is that you have to be willing at some point that once you decide that, okay, I'm going with this now and no matter what, if it works out great, if it doesn't, then, you know, I've got to accept that too. I've got to suck it up and and get on from there. And, you know, probably you go with your tail between your legs for a while and you've got these people saying, yeah, I told you, I knew it was going to come out like that. And I think in order to do that, you have to be a strong enough person that you don't really care. You know, you're kind of thinking, well, does it really matter? I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen to me if I do this and it doesn't work out? And that's always my kind of thing. Hmm. And of course, I'll be happier if it works out well. But if it doesn't, then, you know, I'm just going to have to sort it out afterwards. So. In relation to, are we going to go back to you or will yeah, I yeah, well, give you some well, moment? I, t- <laughs> well, I'd love to hear your moments, but it sounds like you're, I mean, I, you're hinting at your move to Villanova. I would imagine that that's one of those moments where it's like this is a fork in the road. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, it wasn't just moving to Villanova, deciding to go to Villanova, but deciding to go to America and then deciding, you know, which college to go to, because I had a number of colleges who were trying to get my attention, wanted me to come and run for them. And do you it, remember it's all which very ones? exciting. Uh, so definitely Providence College, which was is a big university yeah, for Irish athletes yeah. to go to as well. Um, out on, I think it's in Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, I have never, I've never been to Boston or to Providence University. Amazingly, <laughs> you know, it's oftentimes you do kind of go to places that you were thinking about. And then another one was Arizona. Oh, wow. <laughs> Strangely, that was nice and warm, warm there. I can't really remember many others. I think it was it definitely came down to between Providence and Villanova. And it probably was. I know Arkansas. Frank O'Mara was trying to sell me Arkansas. OK, but, and that's where he. Yeah, went. it was. That's where he went to. And I think now, you know, how Villanova has. I suppose, impacted my life, you know, and just all the memories I have there, the friends that I've made there, the friends, you know, that they're probably my best friends are people who I keep in touch with still from Villanova. And, you know, as much as we're so far apart all the time, if we do ever meet up, it's like you've never been apart. You just have that kind of big connection. And yeah, so you have these friends who you, yeah, and the thing is when you're in college, you have friends that kind of overlap with you. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, you have because you're in there for four years, and so you come in, and there's people on your team who are about to graduate and move on, and then next thing you're going to your second year, your third year, and there's new athletes coming in. So you have this constant changing of people on your team, mm-hmm. um, and these are become your friends because it's at that time. In, well, for me anyway, it was a time in my life when. You know, I, I left home. It was my first time, I suppose, being away from home. And, you know, times when, you know, things don't always go smoothly. So you've got a lot of people around you who are helping and supporting you. And, you know, when you get through those times together, then as much as you might not always remember the, all the fine details, you remember, you know, that you had some great times together. So I suppose what made me think about that a lot 
this week was because when I came home there last week, my mother gave me this box that she'd found somewhere. And it was all this um, newsletters from Villanova, from the results of different races that I ran down through the years. And I mean, I've forgotten so many of these races. But then when I read this newsletter, I can remember them all again. Hmm. And um, so it's great to see things like that. And, um, to, and I suppose in a way, you know, when I look back at Villanova, I see the, the, the big highlights and the things that stand out and winning NCAA championships and being part of an NCAA cross-country team. And I've forgotten all these little meets that we used to go to to qualify. And, you know, it's, we, we travel all over the country. And, um, you know, these girls who, you know, I spent most of my time with, they all of a sudden become your whole new family. And, um, and I was I was a bit of a novelty being the first Irish girl to go to Villanova. And, um, you know, we'd be coming back on the plane and someone would stand up and they'd say, OK, Sonia, so how many how many states have you been to now? <laughs> <laughs> and I would have to list them all off. And, you know, if we went to a track meet, OK, this is a new state for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you sent me one of the clippings and you really do look like a child <laughs> at the time. And I think uh, it is hard to picture this. I'm obsessed with college sports, U.S. college sports. And someone said to me last night that the best way to understand the final four and the atmosphere of these things is that it's much closer to the GAA than the NBA, that people are all the athletes are being paid. It's all for the love of it or the hope that something bigger might be on the horizon, but also the community around it and the alumni that are coming back to cheer you on and support the whole thing are so invested in it on a level that is unlike any other place in US sports. Are, are you that way now about Villanova? Have you, like when you say that they're now your family, do you still have that kind of love for this university? Yeah, I, I mean, I think especially now that I've been spending a bit more time back in America and, you know, the university is such a, a big part of, of people's lives over there that it's like you have this kind of connection to a place. And, you know, if something happens there, then it's it's kind of like your hometown mm. in a way for a certain period of your life. And so, you know, I, I when I downloaded the app for the NCA March Madness and I was tracking where Villanova were and, you know, because it's all different time zones and everything. And then all of a sudden I realized they were, I thought they were in the final four, but they were in the last eight mm. or the last, 16 and I think I excitedly sent a message to someone and I was reminded they're not in the final four yet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then so then I was even more keen to follow and now they are in the final four so it's yeah. pretty exciting because uh, when I was at Villanova the basketball team had won in 1985 and so I first came there in 87 so they were still living you know the the dream of winning an NCAA championships and then didn't win one for a very long time until you know I think until recent I can't enough, remember yeah. it was re it was fairly recent and now they've won like a couple and um, now to be back in the final four again um, it, it, it's very exciting I'm sure for any of the, the college students over there to be involved in this because you know it, it's, it's a bit like yeah going to the All-Ireland and following your team <laughs> and, <laughs> 
it's it's just the kind of simplicity and the, the fun of it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I stayed up last night to watch North Carolina versus St. Peter's, who would have been kind of the equivalent of Louth going to the All-Ireland final. Uh, they were a big underdog, unfortunately, who got trounced last night by North Carolina. But uh, Villanova safely into the final four. I'll be glued to it. And if people haven't checked it out, it is like... If you go, if you can't get basketball after watching a bit of the NCAA stuff, you'll never get it. I mean, it's, it's so exciting and so colourful and so enjoyable and so passionate that uh, it's probably the best way to show basketball to your kids. I think we've got so much more to talk about, though, Sonia, because as I said, uh, recovering from this thing or getting your plan back on track is where we need to go next in the second half of this because everybody knows what it's like to have their plan derailed but actually knuckling back down having taken the hit is the challenge so in the second half we'll have Sonia's advice on that her tip of the week and a couple of bits that I've stumbled across in my research and preparation for the show there's only one way to hear it patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad lots more chat over there including full XL episodes every single week with Mary and Sonia and myself and of course the happy pair from Sunday Sonia we even got your uh, we got you your dressing Sonia submitted oh, a question <laughs> for, for the happy pair and they answered it on Sunday that's all available on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs> 